and welcome to an episode of Just Bricks, brought to you by the Kick It Forward podcast and sporting news. I'm Disgrace Sports Journalist Josh Garlop, and these are Giorgio Savini and Harry Fitzgerald, and we're here to talk all about basketball this week. Of course, as I said, with sporting news. How you going, guys? You love it. You love it. No worries. Uh, it's been a very big week. Uh, Giorgio, how's your fantasy team going? I don't care, but go on. <laughs> no, no, how is it going? All oh, right. I did see that missing their three best players. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have Josh Lloyd on the podcast soon, and you might cream your jeans, obviously, because you're a big fantasy fan. But I think that's probably the finite amount of uh, fantasy we can talk about today. We- we have a very, just before we get to your finger, um, we have a very special guest on the podcast this week. We're trying to bring you uh, a taste of kick it forward as well as with the basketball fix every single week. This week we have three-time NBL MVP, former NBA player, three-time NBL champion, Bryce Cotton from the Perth Wildcats. Yes. Golf, yes. golf clap, you sir. Mm. Probably don't. Uh, <laughs> Guys, there's been some breaking news this week and it's kind of sort of taken over not only the basketball world in Australia, but also internationally as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't touch any of the walls, I might fall apart. On a serious... That's right. Uh, oh, you got the drill out for the poster. Josh Giddy, the boomer in Oklahoma City star... Uh, there's a huge story this week. Basically, there was a tweet that came out that suggested that Josh Giddy had an uh, indecent relationship with an underage uh, woman. Now, that sent sort of Twitter into a spiral. Since then, uh, there's a couple of things to note. So this guy, he's the face of Wheat Pigs, which now have removed him from all the advertising so far. Um, uh, that, that was of today. So he's, that's about $40 million that contract's worth. For Wheat Pigs. I don't think they want us. I don't think... I used to do eight. That is it. There's more, more serious things at play right now. But, okay, so the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, player, Josh Giddy is dealing with this accusation. He spoke about it. He hasn't stopped playing. A key point to, thing to point out is while there's been an accusation and it's been on Twitter and it's since been deleted, uh, the police haven't been involved. The NBA are doing their own investigation the team themselves that stood behind him. Uh, even Brian Gorgian, the coach for the Boomers, came out today and said that he's flying over to the US to support Josh Giddy. Uh, so there's been a multitude of people st- standing by Josh Giddy, but it seems like it's horrendous both ways. On one hand, you have, uh, you know, there could be a, something at play that is in, uh, an indecent relationship with an underage person which would be horrendous on the other hand what the alternative would be because we don't have enough evidence yet is that there's these allegations that could be pretty damaging to this guy and pretty impactful if they aren't true as well Giorgio Uh, I don't, I don't, for me, that doesn't matter. I, I, I think, like, they're going to stand by their player based on what he says. They have a relationship with that. And until the... Pl- I don't think that matters. I don't think you can say that. They have an asset. They want to play their asset. I, I think 
they don't have a thing like the NRL where they have a mandatory stand down uh, policy in the NBA. So I don't think that matters. What I will say though is uh, it's all based around this initial tweet, which has some conflicting things in it. Um, it also has some some stuff that looks pretty bad. Uh, some a Snapchat in particular, but. What we're seeing is a trial by TikTok basically afterwards. We're seeing like 10,000 TikToks all weighing in of all these guys. There's so many YouTube videos and they're all just quoting pretty much the exact same tweet. There's no new extra information. It's the same thing. Even like some of the YouTube videos, they'll be 13 minutes long and the first five minutes are telling you to subscribe to their um, YouTube page and then they just show you versions of the tweet. Uh, the tweet shows uh, multiple shots of him with what they allege is an underage uh, person and there's also some talk that potentially they might not be the same people in those photos but but the moral of the whole thing is that we need more information and that'll probably come out uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Australian basketball fans are very invested in Josh Giddy, but there's so much more to play out and uh, I think everyone's just going to be watching this pretty closely. Uh, more breaking news. Uh, <laughs> nothing else like that. Uh, Georgia, I just wanted to ask you, you have a league pass. What's your league pass favourite so far this year? Uh, who's a team that you like tuning into that's not necessarily a primetime team that you have the luxury of watching with a league pass? Okay. Uh, Harry? You've always been on the Timbers. <laughs> yeah, you've always been on them. And the Celtics the same year as well. <laughs> it is like shooting. I've been, I've been loving watching Indiana. They put up so many shots. They lost to Portland today, but they're just uh, so fun to watch under Rick Carlisle. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Uh, Georgia, you had some other weird things from the NBA. I kind of don't like Greg Povich always lecturing people. It's like he got he went at the FIBA World Cup. They came like ninth, and then he's like, "How dare you say these teams shouldn't beat us?" It's like, mate, you just lost. You came ninth or eighth or seventh or whatever against bloody like Lithuania. The population is like one, like three hundredth of you or some shit. And then you're not allowed to question Greg Povich because he's so esteemed. Yes, he's a fantastic coach, but like, you know, they're also his free will. Like, it's fine. Oh, because he came back to his team. He came back to the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. For finals MVP, Harry. What the fuck, Harry? Hmm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say banana peel. 
Oh, that's horrendous. So it was just a, a stray bit of paper and it slipped. Hmm. Hmm. That's horrendous. Yeah, the ACLs are so bad. Obviously, you know, you've done two. Did you want a mic for that? All right, moving on. Bryce Cotton coming on the podcast today. Uh, Bryce Cotton uh, is one of my favourite players to watch. Chris Golding and probably Bryce Cotton, my two favourites to watch in the NBL. But he's such a humble guy. But he's also very competitive. And there was a lot of talk for a long time that he might potentially play for the Boomers because he was trying to get citizenship. But he says today he's pretty much given up. So a really good chat with Bryce Cotton. Thanks to the Wildcats for arranging. Uh, the other thing with the Wildcats is they've got the potential number one draft pick in the NBA next year, um, Alex Saar. So he was talking about what he's seen from this young guy in a team that's now 7-5. and five. They've had a five-game winning streak. NBL on the um, FIBA break right now. So they haven't played on the weekend. Um, and so they've really recovered under a... John, really, in their second year. Are you guys excited for... That's right, yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm, he played... He played uh, Cotton in this says like he's very competitive and he's been amazed by his drive. But I, d- I did see that game, like Rocco Zakarski, the... 17-year-old from Brisbane. He, like, matched it with this guy, which was probably also a vote of confidence for him as well. All right, so we've got Bryce Cotton today, but if you'd like a certain guest, whether that's a comedian, journalist, or a player, uh, send it. Send the suggestion to us at kickitforwardmailbag at gmail.com and we can get them on Just Bricks. We've got a great team with Sporting News and we're building towards the rest of the year. Are you guys ready? <laughs> this is Just Bricks brought to you by Sporting News and Kick It Forward. Now, we've got a very special guest today, He's a three-time champion, a three-time MVP, kind of the Prince of Perth, maybe, even though I don't like to associate that name with people I actually like. But uh, he's my favourite player in the NBL. Um, we're very lucky to have him. Bryce Cotton, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Um, must be weird coming back now. You know, when you arrive here first time, it's eight years, and all of a sudden you're the veteran in a team. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Uh, I was actually talking the other day with my teammates and I had said uh, I was the same age Michael Harris was um, my first year. So like when I look at Michael Harris, it's like looking at myself like, wow, that was me my first year in Perth and to see where I'm at now. It's crazy how quick time flies, but um, yeah, still doing the best I can to cherish each moment. Yeah, I mean, you've got guys like, you've got Jesse Wagstaff still around, obviously, but then you know, Danny Martin, Sean Redditch, all these other guys hanging out on banners. Um, how's your role changed in that time? Like now, are you more vocal, do you think? Have you learned leadership that you did, weren't doing prior? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, by default, you know, becoming one of the older guys now, it's uh, me and Jesse, mm. the longest tenured Wildcats. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my voice, obviously, it needs power. Um, it needs to be heard a little bit more. And I have more of a reserved personality. So it's been something I've been trying to work on the past few years, but I think as of lately, I've been doing a pretty good job stepping out of my box. So this year, it's been a bit, little bit tumultuous to start. Like you had a, a bit of a, a pour on to start, a lot of change over in the off season, which is always hard to adjust to. Mm-hmm. What's been the change? You've been, you're on a five game run right now. You're averaging 28 points a game. Um, what was the shift after that Brisbane game, which I actually went to and we were dressed as cats, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that's a different story. But, like, <laughs> after that game, what was the shift? Um, I think, uh, well, we had a big team meeting. Everybody got to vent. 
speak their mind, uh, whatever they were feeling, and uh, pretty much everybody spoke in the room. And I think some things that needed to be said uh, were said, and more importantly, everybody was receptive to the things being heard. And from there, I think that was the spark that kind of helped lead to some of the changes we've made. Uh, of course, there's X's and O's that have changed, but the biggest thing was, I think, that team meeting. It, it was a lot of change this year personnel-wise. That game in particular, it was, it was kind of ironic. Mitch Norton was on the other team. So this is a guy that knows how you play. Mm-hmm. He's also a bit, he's a very sacrificial point guard. But you're playing point on one end and guarding Sobey on the other end when guys like him or Damo would normally be sort of taking that load the other way. Mm-hmm. How much of adjustment has been in your role this year, actually on the court? Uh, I would say, yeah, there, there's been some adjustments, especially I think early to start the season uh, when Ty missed a couple games, taking on a little bit of a different role, I guess more of a point guard facilitative role. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously <laughs> we saw how that went. I struggled a little bit trying to find my rhythm, but um, once Ty got back healthy, um, yeah, we slowly started to get back into our groove and everybody started getting comfortable. And then obviously Doolittle as well. Once he came into the picture, took him a couple games and a couple practices to get comfortable with everybody. But it was something that we knew, you know, we can get back to it. It was just a matter of, you know, when was it going to happen? Uh, you talk a lot about, you know, things that you find ways to find motivation, whether that's, you know, being overlooked in the NBA for a certain position or overlooked for the MVP potentially some years that not necessarily that it's an overt malicious thing Mm -hmm. but you just personally use that to motivate yourself what has been the motivation this year like in in a different part of your career like what 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 is the motivation uh I mean because we're in the middle of the season I can't (laughs) give it away just yet but um I definitely have some things that are motivating me I'm always self-motivated but whenever something external comes my way um, I just, it's just like throwing another log into the fire. But as soon as the season's done, I'll tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> do, do you find it funny that people think you're so laid back when, you know, in your head, like you're, you could be a bit crazy, not in a good way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do How do you separate the two? Because a lot of people don't know how to. Um, no, I, I don't find it crazy that people find me so chill because obviously that's the side I give off when I'm not on the floor. But... Um, it's, it's just always been a part of who I am, being able to express myself on the floor um, in ways that I wouldn't normally do, I guess, in my day-to-day living. So uh, it's something that I kind of hang on to and look forward to on game nights because it's a chance to, yeah, just be myself completely and let out all my passion. So it, it feels good, and sometimes the crowd feeds off it. Is it annoying that Australians don't talk more shit on the court? When I first got here, you know, honestly... It was an adjustment for me. I remember saying, like, man, people are just so nice out here. And that's probably why a lot of people thought I was so cool, calm, and collected. And then when altercations have kind of happened here and there, um, bands with other teammates, they thought it was, uh, like, far-fetched. But that's, you know, that's what I'm used to. That's how I like to play. But, um, yeah, you guys are very, very nice out here. But I always found that funny even – it's even more frustrating because we're always kind of taught not to do that. Um, then you see guys like Steve Adams or like Josh Giddy even who are pretty mm-hmm. pretty quiet, but if they're dropping thirty on you, does that hurt more if they're <laughs> if they're not if you're like Chris Golding has forty but doesn't say anything? <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes that could be annoying because you want to get a rise out of the player, and sometimes when they're just so cool, calm, and collected, it makes it that much more of an insult to injury. But um, yeah, luckily 
Uh, we haven't been on that side of the stick too many times. Usually it's guys talking, so it's a little bit of back and forth. I'll take you back a bit. So <coughs> your last stop, you've had other stops along the way, but your last stop prior to here was Turkey. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And a lot of guys go there or they go to Russia or they go somewhere like that. And there's this stability here in Australia, whether it's actually getting paid or, you know, we're so far away from everything in Perth both. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty nice. Um how do, you, how do you think that compares to when you think back of like when you played in Turkey and things like that compared to now? Uh, I think, one, yeah, there's, there's drastic differences. But I think being able to play in all those different places before coming here helped me appreciate Australia for what it all really does bring. Because um, I think before I came here, I played in China and um, Turkey as well. So just seeing, I guess, the pros and cons to playing over there, living over there, and then coming here, it was like, oh, my God, like, this is heaven. Yeah. I feel if I would have came to Australia first, like, when I left the NBA, I wouldn't have appreciated it to the to its fullest extent because then that would have been my expectation of what playing overseas is like. Mm. But playing in those places first gave me the reality check, and then this was just like, oh, okay, this is beautiful. <laughs> this is not the normal um, experience for playing overseas. Do you still feel like you're from Arizona, or do you, when, when people ask where you're from, do you say Perth? <laughs> uh, I'm still from Arizona, but if I come across the right person, I will entertain myself and tell them <laughs> I grew out here, grew up out here, and see how far that conversation will go. So when you first got here, you're by yourself, and you know you're just a gunslinger. You win a championship, and it's it's awesome. And then you go through ups and downs of a of a competition, and you wear that yourself. Now, now you have a wife, you have a kid. Mm-hmm. What's it like? Uh, people react differently to you, and that's completely f- completely fine. Um, but what's it like now realizing like, well, I've got a family and it sort of interacts with everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, honestly, it, it hasn't really changed much. And luckily with my wife, she's always understood that basketball, you know, means everything to me. So um, she's done a great job and of just making our partnership work where I can still treat basketball the same while still being the family man. And, you know, she's so supportive and it's cool. That, you know, I have my little family there watching me game in and game out. My daughter's old enough now to where she could show up to the game. So that's probably something that I enjoy the most, knowing when she gets older. She's around the age now where she'll probably have memories of these games. So you've got a couple guys that, you know, are on NBA radars right now. Um, uh, Alex Saar, who's doing really good. What, what have you made of his game so far? I think he's done a tremendous job. Um, he's He's learned pretty well on the fly and I think the biggest thing with him is he has no ego for a guy that's you know arguably going to be top one or top two pick you would think he'd have an ego the size of this room but he doesn't and it doesn't matter whether it's me giving him a suggestion Jesse or DP he's all ears and he's just ready to learn and I think that's going to be the testament to how good he could really be as a player down the line but um, as far as this season goes you know I want him to do as well as he can do and, you know, I never want to see him again because that means he's in the NBA <laughs> doing his thing. So hopefully uh, we all can get something out of this. Is it a bit surreal? This guy who's playing a, a modified role off the bench, he's, you know, being hyped as the a number one or two pick. Um, what, what have you noticed, whether that's at training or that's at, in the game, like athletically or his own basketball abilities that people probably wouldn't be aware of yet? Um. That he's not afraid of the moment, you know, and Alex, he has a pretty reserved personality as well, but I spotted early on, 
you know, he, he's not afraid of a little confrontation during games and he's got a little bit of uh, a spunk about him, mm. which, you know, I didn't, I didn't really expect when first meeting him. But like I said, being on the floor with him, it's, he's got like that white line fever, as they call it. And uh, yeah, I, I love that about him. So that, that stands out a lot. Does he like the comparisons with Wembenyama or does he hate it? I don't know if anybody <laughs> asked him that, but uh, who, who knows? Who knows? I don't know if he does or doesn't. Um, so there's a lot of scouts coming to games now, and the NBL's grown so much to the fact that, you know, it is a really good pathway uh, for players. Are guys coming up to you that are NBA scouts, you've just dropped 37 in an overtime game or something like that, and saying, like, geez, you could still, you know, be a role in a team, in an NBA team. Does that those conversations happen at all still? Um, nah, like they never come up to me personally or anything, but, um, I, I think I'm at the stage in my career where it doesn't, like, I don't need them to tell me that. Like, I know what I can do and, um, I just focus on playing where I'm at, but it is cool to know that, um, you know, I'm still able to do this and being in front of NBA scouts and all that. It's just, you know, who wouldn't want to play in environments like that? So it's still fun, but I'm not really looking for the validation, if that makes sense. If the offer came... I don't know, random offer. It's, it's such a silly question because, I mean, the answer's probably yes, but for yourself, would you still want to go over and, like, I don't know, spend a full season contributing to a, a team if the fit was right? Absolutely, yeah. If it was, yeah, guaranteed contract, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be over there for sure. Yeah, throughout your whole career, you've had a lot of setbacks. You had early uh, issues with epilepsy and then you've, you've been overlooked for spots for college. You end up at college and kill it. You've always controlled what you could control. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Australian bureaucracy gets in the way. Mm. How, how do you? How's that been like to deal with when something that seems so straightforward has been straightforward for other people, hasn't been so straightforward? Uh, it's it's only fitting that that's how my life goes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't worry about it too much, and I think luckily because you know the Olympics, it was never, um, I guess, a real goal of mine. It was something that kind of came up that could have been a cool opportunity. Um, So it doesn't weigh on me as much as it does, I guess, some of the uh, Red Army fans. (laughs) But um, like I said, it was a cool idea to entertain for however long it lasted. But now that that's not going to happen, I'm not really losing any sleep over it either. So you've kind of given up completely now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had kind of given up on it a while ago, but I'm just voicing it now more. So hopefully Mm. people... Stop asking me about it. <laughs> I'll just delete all the rest of the questions then. Um, I, uh, it's, it's a shame because like, I love watching their offense and I can just picture you. They could have used you so much in the, the World Cup in particular, someone to create their own shot and just sort of stare down the other opponent regardless of who they were and everything. I, I, I was in my head picturing it. And, yeah. Um, but that's all right. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's your goal throughout the rest of your career, do you think? Like, what what would you like to achieve? So, again, um, I I have a couple things in my mind that I know I want to do, but I'm a very superstitious person, so <laughs> I can't can't say it. But if I do it, uh, I'll let you know right away. Okay, uh, cool. It'll probably be a post on Instagram or something. So you're, are you superstitious before games then? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm superstitious all around. <laughs> like a like. <laughs> Do you have lucky socks? Do you have a like? Do you have a very strict uh, routine you do every game day, or like, what? How is it? Uh, yeah, for the most part. So I eat the same breakfast, the same lunch. Um, 
usually I'll watch some type of stand-up comedy before the game to just kind of loosen me up because I get really, I guess, on go, so to speak, come game time. So yeah. that stand-up comedy just kind of relaxes me, and then I'm able to flow into the game, I guess, with a better better energy about me. What have you been watching lately? Shane Gillis? <laughs> no, I have not been doing that. Um, usually it's, it's some older stuff, uh, so it could be could be Martin Lawrence, um, Richard Pryor, which is before both our times, but <laughs> you name it. It, it just kind of depends on my mood, but it's a recycle of just different things I've seen. All right, Cat Williams. Do you, uh, do you still follow the NBA? Do you watch it more now than you might have previously because it's, I don't know, it would be frustrating at some point? Um, I don't watch it as much as I did growing up, but I watch certain players now. So I'll watch Dame, any chance I can get, Steph, and those are probably the main ones. Like Dame and Steph, I, I try to watch because those are guards, especially Dame, around my size. Yeah. And then with Steph, you know, he gets held so much. Um, so do I. So I just like to study um, how he moves without the ball. Well, the game, the, the early games this year, you were so heavily scouted. And I guess you guys were just still figuring out your offense and, you know, clicking and things like that. Uh, it looked frustrating to watch because there was double and triple teams coming guys face guarding you. Um, so do you, do you look at how Steph does it because he's so good at it and try and sort of emulate the same sort of techniques? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily emulate it, but um, just he never stops moving. So yeah. like, even if it's not double teaming, another guy on the other side of the floor has the ball and they're penetrating into the lane Steph might move from the corner to the top of the key or something like that. So just kind of always having my feet moving. Um, mm -hmm. It keeps the defense's head on a swivel as well. So even if I don't get the shot, that creates a shot for my teammate with the ball because they're so worried about me. Well, that, that was the other thing I noticed early in the year was um, previously guys like Wags or, sorry, Jesse Wagstaff, they would just get so many layups from the overhelp. Mm -hmm. And it's only these last couple of games that started happening again. Yeah. So how do you restart that? Is it just knowing the offense better? Is it just reps because it's a new group? Like how did how do you get that going? Because that ultimately opens up you more as well. Yeah, uh, I would say from a team aspect, yeah, it's just having more reps, building the chemistry. But with Jesse, uh, I mean, I've been playing with Jesse since I came here. So that's, uh, that's kind of etched in stone. That's like riding a bike. We got really, really good chemistry. I know where he wants to be. I know how he likes to play and vice versa. Knows the same for me. He wasn't getting on the court for a bit, and since he's come back, it's been great. Like, uh, was there a conversation had where someone said, "Hey, we actually like need this guy to," he, he just gets it, or like, what? What? How did? How did it come about that? You know, his minute spikes all of a sudden, and obviously it's working. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it came about, but um, it's an unwritten rule when you're, you know just losing game after game by default. You got to try something new <laughs> <laughs> and see what sticks. So I, I think that was one of those things that we tried and um, so far so good. Uh, you mentioned Dame before that you love watching him. He's uh, mm -hmm. about six foot one. Mm -hmm. uh, Generous, yeah. Generous. <laughs> uh, what do you like about his game? Um, just, I mean, because one, I played against him before, so I was shocked that he wasn't as tall as I imagined. We're yeah. almost eye to eye looking eye to eye, and um, just the way he's able to get his shot off, not rush his jumper, as well as mixing it up, getting into the paint sometimes. I like that balance that he has, and uh, I think for me it's the same thing. Like, yes, I got the ability to shoot from outside, 
but trying to pick and choose those balances of when I want to score from deep and sometimes maybe I need to get into the paint because I can create a shot for me. Or if the defense is so worried, you know, they might send three people into the paint. Now I can throw it to whoever in the key. I mean, at the three, and then somebody's wide open. Uh, there's one another young guy with you guys, Ben Henschel. He had a huge game to start the season. You know, he's in and out of the rotation. But what have you made from him at training? Because he was such a really talented junior. He's still so early on. And sometimes when you have a really big prospect in scouts of games, you know, he can, mm-hmm. he can get a bit of attention himself. Um, what have you made of Ben so far? Um, I, I like the, the thing about Ben I like the most is just he's not afraid, you know, and he's always asking questions, trying to learn more. But his skill set for his age, he's very, very polished, I would say. So it's only a matter of time as he continues to grow and build on that. But um, he's a hell of a player already, but um, he can really, really be good in, in some years to come for sure. You said um, you're not going to reveal too much, obviously, but have you, have you picked a couple rivals this year that you're – that, that is motivating you a bit, like from the games we've had, or maybe it's um, something to come. Is that in your mind at all? A rival, uh, like of a team? Well, not necessarily a team, but like every time you go against this one guy, you're like, I want to, I, I know I want to perform, I want to mm-hmm. outscore him. Maybe it was Casper Ware previously. <laughs> but uh, is there a guy like that in the league for you right now? Um, no, I, I usually treat everybody uh, as blurred faces. Um, for me, that helps me just continue to play at the same level every night because once you start to give one game more importance than the other, I feel, for me anyway, that's where you'll have a spike in your performances. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's a me versus me type thing. Uh, you've achieved so much. I've just got a couple more questions. You've achieved so much, mate. Um, what, what's been the highlight still from everything, whether that was um, college or the three championships here? The biggest highlight, I would say, um, throughout my career might be winning the Big East Championship in Madison Square Garden. Mm. My mom and my older brother were in the building, and that was pretty cool, just, you know, reflecting on how I had barely even gotten into college to, you know, winning a championship against, I think, Creighton was like number five ranked 15th in the country when we mm. beat them. And they had Doug McDermott, who was the college player of the year. So to win that championship with my mom and my brother in the building, it was crazy to think, wow, like all the way from Tucson to Madison Square Garden, we did something that nobody thought would happen. Not, I'm sure not even some of the Providence fans thought we would pull that off, but we, we did it. You did it, and the way you got there too, the way that there's so many players that were potentially ahead of you mm-hmm. and they were so late to offer you a, you know, a scholarship as well. It's unbelievable when it sets up the rest now. Um, do, you, do you find it interesting too, though, you know, your path through the NBA, it's a bit bumpy and you ended up outside of it, but there's a lot of guys their careers have ended completely that were the same sort of age that you were playing against that went to the NBA but they only lasted four years and they don't play at all anymore. Mm-hmm. What's that like to reflect on? Um, I think, again, like a... It's just kind of a testament to how my life goes. Like sometimes you may not always get exactly what you thought was coming, but you roll with the punches and you make the best of it. And one thing that I've always reminded myself of is sure, I may not have played in the NBA as long as I thought I would have or should have, but the fact remains I still played in the NBA and that was always the goal as a kid. So that's something nobody could take away from me and I will always remain proud of myself for that. 
and then knowing, okay, well, once the NBA, I guess, kind of closed this door, I was blessed to find another one, and I've been thriving in that as well. So I, I kind of look at it as, you know, getting the best of both worlds. I uh, just had two more questions. Uh, how's your body? I know you've had a couple issues with your body over your career, but how's it feeling at 31? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have an age. I'm just out here living. But uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I feel good. Honestly, aside from that, that surgery I had, I think a few years back, um, you know, I've, I've always been pretty good. And my body feels as good as it's ever been. So I got no complaints. Except for the chip in your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's permanently <laughs> stuck there. <laughs> uh, last one. There's a lot of young guys, next stars in the competition. Uh, Bobby Clemen from Cairns, Alex Tui at Sydney. Just, oh, there's so many. Has, have any stuck out for you when you've played them, being like, oh, this ta- he's an interesting talent? Like, has, there's only been a f- you know 12 games so far this year or whatever. But um, Yeah, I would say for me, obviously, there's lots of you know great young talent, and it gets better each year with this next star program, but I think Alex, for me, he's stood out the most. And, um, yeah, luckily, because of that, you know, he's on our team. So I uh, don't have to worry about him trying to block my shots or anything during the game. That's great. Uh, Bryce, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Just Bricks. Uh, check out the Perth Wildcats for the rest of the season and maybe a fourth championship. We'll see what's in store. <laughs> thanks, Apes.